The Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association presents Top of the Stretch, a podcast that looks at harness racing in the Buckeye State. Top of the Stretch is presented by Tizwiz. Be the best, outperform the rest. The Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association has set up a PayPal donation portal for those that want to help Ohio horsemen in need during the COVID-19 crisis. All money donated will go to the OHHA Horsemen's Benevolent Fund. Contributors can earmark their donation for either the Equine or Human Fund. Horsemen in need can apply for funds by completing an application, which is available on the OHHA website, ohha.com. Thanks, and stay safe. I'm joined by Gabe Pruitt, who just might be one of the most diversified individuals in racing. Started out studying management at the University of Kentucky a high school basketball official in Kentucky, executive secretary of the Kentucky Harness Horsemen's Association, an announcer of both harness and thoroughbred racing, a director of publicity, a harness racing analyst, and of late, an expert on racing mutual handle at Pompano and now at El Dorado Scioto Downs. Gabe, welcome to Top of the Stretch. Thanks so much, Roger. It's always a pleasure to be able to spend some time with you. I'm not sure I'm an expert on anything, by the way, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to be in the state of Ohio, uh, and I'm so thrilled that uh, Ohio has put the sport of harness racing back on the map. What was your first involvement in harness racing? Well, believe it or not, uh, I was a gambler. <laughs> that would be my first involvement. I had never seen a harness race until I came to the University of Kentucky uh, for, for college, and I, I lived directly across from the stable gate. I grew up going to Keeneland quite a bit, uh, and uh, it didn't take too long for me to uh, venture over to the uh, racetrack uh, with, with just a few steps uh, from my front door, uh, and I, I thought it was great. I had a buddy one night came they came in and said, hey, let's go over to uh, Red Mile and bet the horses. I didn't even know they raced horses at Red Mile. It was, it was a well-kept secret uh, in Lexington, apparently. And he said, yeah, they have the carts behind them, but it's exactly like we bet at Keeneland. It's, it's great. And uh, so we went um, over, and, and I never left, I guess. I, I started as a gambler, and eventually, in my latter years of college, I took a job as a, a mutual teller at Red Mile uh, as a college job and, and uh, ended up uh, we working in the money room and doing some different things in the uh, in the mutuals department. But I was certainly a fan and a gambler. Uh, the first day of live racing I saw uh, was a grand circuit program uh, with Sam McKee on the mic and, and great racing and great horses. Uh, it, it was safe to say I was hooked early on. How did you make it to Florida down at Pompano? Well, that uh, I, I announced at Buffalo Raceway for a couple of years, uh, and I, I enjoyed that. I was up there um, 2012 and 13, January through July, uh, and then I would work my way back to Lexington to, to announce that meet, uh, and, and that would go through October. So I had a decent schedule. Uh, at the same time, I was handling the duties for, for the Kentucky Harness Horsemen uh, as well. And one of the last year I was at Buffalo, 2013, they were also in the search of an announcer, Pompano Park. And they really wanted to hire, uh, uh, Roger, our, our great friend Sam McKee. Uh, and how badly, I know we both miss him, but they, they went after Sam uh, in a big way. Uh, that was at, after the transition at the Meadowlands in ownership. Sam really thought about taking the job at Pompano, but obviously with Pompano there was a lot of uncertainty of how long they would race 
Uh, so Sam, at, at uh, sort of the last minute, the 23rd hour, he decides to um, to stick with the Meadowlands and stay where he's at, and he sort of endorsed me for the job. And John Yinger, who's the, now the presiding judge in Ohio, was the director of racing at that time. Uh, I'm, I was probably about number 27 on his list of candidates, uh, w- but with Sam's endorsement uh, and support, uh, I was lucky enough to uh, to get that job. What do you enjoy most about your racing life? That's a great question, Roger. I, you know, I think for me, I, I am a numbers-driven guy. I always have been. Uh, I've enjoyed the wagering part of the sport from, from early on, and, and I think more of the management side. Uh, and that's not to say I don't enjoy anything. I, I enjoy the uh, I enjoy announcing. Uh, I enjoy uh, the analysis of the races, but uh, I, I'm I think at my best. I'm very competitive uh, a person, and I think uh, you know when I'm uh, you know trying to uh, at, at Pompano, for instance, you know in the announcer booth, I have a calendar of exactly what we handled on the night. Uh, from the previous year. And my goal every single night uh, is to beat that number. And I, I make our entire staff note of that number. So it's kind of a competition every single night we come in to try and raise the bar. Uh, so I, I think I enjoy that part of it most, but I enjoy anything. To, to be able to work in this business, uh, as you know, Roger, is a pleasure. Uh, and it's a passion for us. And, and really just, just to be around the sport is, is great in any capacity. At Pompano, you began with Isle of Capri. How did that association get involved then with El Dorado? Well, that that's, a, that's an interesting question because I did begin with Isle of Capri, and uh, I was just the announcer. When I arrived at Pompano, uh, John Yinger, as I mentioned, hired me. Uh, after my first year, that would have been in 2013, uh, Brett Revington came on as the director of racing, a good friend from, from Prince Edward Island. We worked well together with a lot of different things, the wagering format. We really started to gain some, some steam and some momentum. Uh, and, and later on, Brett would leave uh, uh, Pompano to uh, go become the director of the Pennsylvania uh, Harness Racing Commission. So I actually uh, stepped in his role as director of racing for, for the aisle, and, and they wanted me to take that on a full-time capacity. Uh, however, they were they were transitioning in a merger with El Dorado. We knew that was many months away. This would be say November where they were going to transition in May uh, to El Dorado and uh, there were so many unknowns you know Pompano has always been um, you know uh, on a basis of are we going to race another year I mean there have been rumors ever since I've been there I mean for probably long before that so there were a lot of unknowns so I actually uh, talked to the staff and management there there at the aisle and we worked out a deal where I was uh, the the interim director of racing and, and actually we'd sit back down in May uh, and discuss it, assuming that they, they liked the job that I did and the merger went okay. So, you know, you fast forward to May, the merger happened with El Dorado, and, and everyone that I had made that deal with was uh, let go in that merger, the, from the GM on down uh, to the director of human resources. And uh, we lost a lot of people uh, that, that were aisle people. Uh, El Dorado came in, and uh, I was uh, really let go at that point for Pompano, and, and thankfully enough, uh, Stacy Cahill came in as the director of racing at that time for El Dorado, and uh, she hired me back. You know, I was very thankful for that uh, as the announcer, and I still did a lot of my same duties post times and worked with TVG. And uh, so I was fortunate enough uh, that, that Stacy knew me uh, and and brought me back. Otherwise, I don't think that I would have uh, kept that position at Pompano. Now, Joe Morris took over at Pompano. 
now he has brought you to Scioto Downs. And I see on Facebook the other day that uh, you were even cleaning stalls after that flood in the <laughs> barn area a few weeks back. Just what are your duties at Scioto Downs? Well, I've been accused of that being a photo op. I can say that that is, that is not true. Our, our man, Nate Brower, uh, accused me of that. We, uh, J- Jason Roth said he had to get a picture when we were uh, knee-deep in the weeds there cleaning some stalls. But having worked for Joe Morris in the past, Roger, I way back um, 12, 13 years ago now, I sold ads for the Thoroughbred Times when Joe Morris was the publisher of the Thoroughbred Times. I can, I can assure everyone – there is no job too big and there is no job too small when you work with Joe. And you better just uh, roll up your sleeves and get ready to uh, to pitch in because he's going to be doing uh, everything from top to bottom. And if you work for him, uh, you're going to be right alongside him. So that that was um, a situation where we were going to get some heavy rain that night. That was the reality of the situation. So we thought, you know what, it's going to be a mess for these folks in the morning. Let's go on and try to get some of this uh, knocked out. Now, let's get into the nitty-gritty of – what has taken place in this first couple of weeks at Sioda. What is the biggest factor when trying to increase mutual handle? I think it's a wide variety of a lot of different aspects. Um, I think there, there are multiple things that, that need to happen. A, first and foremost, it's, it's most helpful to have a great product. And you guys ride in the state of Ohio. I mean, we're having the box 280 horses uh, in a day at this point. I'm not sure we get that many in a week at Pompano. Uh, that's the reality of the situation. And, you know, 14 races or 15 races and full fields, uh, and you have a great product. We, we try to freshen up the wagering menu. Uh, we've been fortunate uh, that, that we've gotten a lot of support uh, during this time in that. You know, we've got a lot of wagers that can offer carryovers, which really can, and can generate some excitement. Uh, as you know, we try to hit things hard on a, on a social media basis, particularly on Twitter. Uh, we have a lot of people out there that, um, you know, follow and play along and, and chat back and forth in the races, and uh, that that's always helpful. And, and, and one of the most important things uh, is, is what I do, I would say, on a nightly basis here, I think, and, and that's watch our post times, manage our post times, uh, and, and we really try to go at the, at the most opportune spot that we can possibly go. And, and you know when you hit one of those spots, you know, for instance, last night we were right at a couple 200,000 in a couple races. Just we were very socially distanced, we'll call it in this era, Roger, from any other track. Uh, if you go in a, in a spot that's maybe not as opportune, and that's going to happen from time to time because you can't always get yourself in a great spot, it may go down to uh, on a night like last night. We had a couple races where we bet uh, like 80,000. So it makes a huge impact on where those races take off. Uh, so on a nightly basis here, you know, I have a, uh, a wireless mic that I literally get to chat with Barry on in between the races, but I think my most important role is you know, I'm in the tote room and I'm just watching all these other signals uh, and trying to select the absolute best, best place to race. Uh, and while we're chatting about the state of Ohio, I think the absolute best in the business at doing that, by the way, for, for a long, long time, uh, and I have all the respect in the world for them, is, uh, is Dave Bianconi and, and Brent and his crew at Northfield Park. They are excellent, uh, and they are, are the leaders out there in, in doing exactly what I just said. They, they make uh, all the right decisions, and, and, um, and, and it's tough to hang post times against them uh, and go on them as the same night, but I have all the respect for what they do. And uh, I think everyone in Ohio should, you know, would obviously respect the, the job they do on a simulcast market as well. Now, Wednesday night, your pick four had a very large pool. 
Why do the gamblers like uh, wagers such as the pick four? Well, we had the pick four carryover. That that's that's the key, you know. And and I think that the multi race wagers, just in general, you see so many tracks. You know, Mohawk has revamped their wagering format. They've got two pick fives and two pick fours. The Meadowlands now has a couple of pick fours, a pick five, and a pick six. The good thing here at Sauda, we have a high volume of races, much more so than Pompano, where I've got eight or nine races a night. So we try to institute a menu that, that was more of the same. You know, we start off with a pick four right out of the chute uh, at race one, and then we move into our, our low takeout pick five in the fifth, and then finally we advance on into a, a, a late pick four, and we toss in a pick six along the way as well. But you can do that when you have such a large volume of races. And the great thing is when you have these wagers with a carryover opportunity, Roger, it just creates a, a positive sort of scenario for the gamblers. For instance, on Wednesday that you speak of, they missed the early pick four. We had nearly 13,000 uh, uh, carried over into the late pick four, the same night race 10. So the gamblers, you know, they spoke on it, and you don't get as much time to promote it. You know, if you have a day or so to promote it, you know, you can really get a lot of steam. We only had from race four. Uh, to race 10. So it was a short window. Obviously, we, we hit that on social media, and, and it gets some traction. We put up our graphics on the screen to try to get the word out as much as possible. Uh, but the gamblers were wagered over 70,000 in the late pick four, which was, you know, at least uh, three to four times what we would typically get in that pool. Uh, because that carryover uh, essentially negated the takeout. So any takeout on that 70,000, was essentially covered by the carryover. So it's a rare scenario for a gambler to be able to wager into a pool with basically no takeout because the takeout's going to come when that carryover is added in. Uh, it's just a great situation, but I think those multi-race wagers, they, they are here to stay. You know, the gamblers have clearly spoken uh, that that's, uh, that's the wave of the future, and, and, and we've tried to uh, follow up on that basis at Sado. And again, with the product and the number of races, it's been an easy thing to do. Now, when you came to Sado, I'm sure you looked at the past mutual handles from last year and such. There hadn't been any racing nationwide and in North America for something like 52 to 58 days. What kind of expectations did you have for the mutual handle for Sciota being the first racetrack with harness racing to return? Personally, you know, we, we were involved in many of those discussions, and, and, and I believe they averaged around 220000 per year last year. So we were starting out with, with without much of a base, let's say, of, of, uh, of trying to grow this thing. But as you said, we had, we had many advantages in being the first back. I had us uh, at a number of, from 750000 to a million. I thought, I thought we would literally a million could be all in a top-out scenario if we, if we caught a perfect night. Uh, I thought we would – definitely be able to, you know, maybe three times, three and a half times on a normal basis. So I thought we'd definitely get to uh, maybe that 700,000 range. But, you know, Roger, we've been, it's been beyond our wildest expectations. It's really grown and, and you know, we've been so fortunate uh, to uh, to open up with 10 consecutive million dollar nights. Uh, of course, last night, you know, an all-time record again with, uh, with over 2 million uh, wagered. It's just incredible. We have to thank, uh, you know, everyone from top to bottom. The staff here has been tremendous. When you talk about a, a Jason Roth in the racing office, uh, you know, the day we got the green light to qualify, we qualified. And then the day we got the green light to race, we raced. Uh, to turn around in six days after qualifiers uh, and race was incredible. And then you, you have to think, we weren't a fresh team coming into that first night of racing. 
we had had 16 qualifiers a day, I think, for the five days leading up to it, maybe with one one break there in between. Uh, so it was a uh, it was a crazy scenario how how we got going so quick. But but hats off to the staff. The horsemen have been unbelievable to to work under these protocols. You know, we're signing stalls when they come in every day. You have to wear masks. Uh, obviously, we're probably stretching the races out a little bit longer. I may plead guilty to that than we have here in the past. But uh, no one has said a word, and kudos to the state of Ohio for, for giving uh, us the opportunity uh, to get back on the map. But we, we have far exceeded our, our wildest expectations, and I think the momentum means a lot. I mean, you had uh, on Wednesday night Buffalo Raceway uh, where I spent, spent some time. Their average handle last year was the exact same as Scioto's. I mean, it was in the 200 to 230 range a night. So uh, you're really uh, comparing apples to apples. They had full-card TVG, which always helps. But I don't think it's um, it's quite the magic bullet that, that some perceive it as. And, and so they're opening night when racing the same night as us. They did uh, a little over six hundred thousand. So they they basically tripled their handle. When on that same night, uh, again we averaged the same as them last year. We bet over one point four million. So I do think that we've been able to get some momentum uh, and maybe grow this thing uh, to a pretty good extent. I'm just hoping uh, that we can keep this momentum going as more tracks uh, come back on the map. Uh, you mentioned Buffalo uh, racing last night. You're going to see additional tracks uh, this week, uh, Meadowlands and other tracks as well in the next week or so. As all these tracks return to racing, you have more and more competition. Now, one thing that you're doing this week is uh, moving from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, those are the kind of things that you're going to have to do to continue the momentum. Isn't that correct? It certainly is. And all options are on the table, particularly Roger, when you don't have fans, you know, if you have fans in the building, I think it's great to have a Saturday night at the races. And, you know, we've got such a nice clubhouse here at Saudi and come out and enjoy the races and have dinner. But as long as we have no fans, you know, we have taken an all options on the table uh, approach at this. And I'm constantly reviewing the schedules Every single day, for that matter, with, with Joe and Jason and the team, and we're looking for, for uh, what would we call opportunities uh, on the wagering. Now, Saturday is just going to get to the point uh, where it's overwhelming. When you've got Mohawk back, you've got the Meadowlands back here in the state of Ohio. Northfield puts out a great product on Saturday nights. Hawthorne back as well. Uh, you know, And then, of course, your typical competition from the Thoroughbreds, uh, Golden Gate, Santa Anita early, and, and Los Alamitos with the quarters late. Uh, we're getting into a window where we just get a little overwhelmed. So, thankfully, uh, I couldn't do this in the state of Kentucky unless I had an act of Congress or Florida as well. But the state of Ohio is so cooperative. We were able, in on a short timetable, about a week, to move that day from Saturday to Sunday. And Sunday will, will be much, much better than, than Saturday. It's not uh, an uncrowded schedule. We'll still have Hawthorne with us and and the uh, thoroughbreds early and, and Los Alamitos late. So it's, it's not a situation where we're going to be the only game in town and do, do some wild number. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind that Sunday will be at least six or $700,000 better than we would, could have done on Saturday night. Now, you've done a lot for Sciota in the, the 10 days. How much longer are you going to be here in the Buckeye State at Sciota Downs? Well, that's a great question. Uh, Joe called me originally and, and talked to me about this opportunity, and at that time he was confident the racing 
uh, was going to get started. I think I was here two days, and we and we finally got the green light. We were changing tote companies and doing some things. We were working on some things behind the scenes. But I was just sitting on the couch in Florida, uh, quite frankly, like most of us, I guess, out there uh, during this pandemic. And uh, it's been great. Uh, I'm, I'm currently housed at the Hampton Inn, outer <laughs> town. So it's been a a great place to to be, and, and I'm right at the track. I'm not sure on that question. I think as long as we can make an impact, you know, my next um, for sure duty would be uh, the the racing starts in Lexington the first of August. So you know, if we can if we can make an impact and I think do some good, you know, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I enjoy nothing more than than to work uh, at the track and and be part of the racing. So uh, I, I'm here as long as they need me, uh, and however long that is, we'll see how it shakes out. But but I'm I'm thrilled to be able to. Uh, to work right now and, and to be a part of part of a great thing that's going on in Ohio. Well, Gabe, I want to thank you for being with us uh, on this edition of Top of the Stretch and continue success for you and everything that you do and also for the uh, product at Soda Downs and continuing uh, the run that you've got started. Uh, thank you ever so much and enjoy your time here in the Buckeye State. Thank you, Roger. Again, it's, it's my pleasure to be on with you, and we just want to thank everyone so much out there. If, if anyone is listening, the horsemen, uh, the staff at Sauda, and, and the gamblers uh, that have supported us. You know, we've, we've gotten to a new audience, and, and, and that's that's who should take a bow uh, in, in all of this, is, is the people that are out there supporting us. Thank you for listening to Top of the Stretch. Top of the Stretch is presented by TizWiz. Feed the best, outperform the rest. Top of the Stretch podcasts are a presentation of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association.